someone to talk to. Just share it. You know what? Because God sees, you know. And so if someone else, and now all of a sudden you have that person, you have people who are lifting up the long range guns of prayer, praying for you, softening your heart, you know, and, and there's people looking out for you. But secret sin, that sin that you think is secret, it's really not, it will come out. But that secret sin, that's where Satan has fun because nobody knows. When you know you have a test in school, you study for it. If you have a race tomorrow, you don't gorge on ice cream and soda. (laughs) You know you'll be accountable for your grade on the test or your performance in the race. Today, Pastor Daniel will explain how we can overcome temptations and sin by simply telling our brothers and sisters to ask how you're doing and encourage you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, The Exodus. Right at that point, we've had nine plagues, and God has said, look, the tenth plague is coming, that death of the firstborn. And God said, listen, death is going to come to every house. The only difference is, is whichever house has the blood of the substitute death, the, the lamb on the doorposts. Death happens in every house. But if you have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the angel of death is going to pass over. And so we looked last week in those first 12 verses of Exodus chapter 12, and we went over the Passover, and it was a pretty compelling study, wasn't it? As you realize that all of these pieces of the Passover, all the details that are put in place, they all have what we call theologically a Christological Application, which means all of them, it happens in a day and time, but it also points to Jesus. It points to Jesus. So it was important locally for the children of Israel as they're about to leave Egypt, but it also points us to Jesus in illustration and symbol. And that's why when Jesus comes on the scene, John the Baptist calls him the Lamb of God that comes from the Passover. The sacrificial lamb of God. That's where it comes from. Now, picking up now in verse 14, we're going to see that the Passover is the first day of what is going to be a longer celebration. So let's just jump right on in. I'm going to try and make it through the chapter today. There's a lot going on here. So let's just jump in. Verse 14 of Exodus chapter 12. It says, so this day shall be to you a memorial And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there will be a holy convocation. And on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No matter of work shall be done on them but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. 
so you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on the same day I have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance in the first month. On the 14th day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month, at evening. For seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he's a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwellings, you shall eat unleavened bread. So what we find here is now the Passover becomes the first day of what is a seven-day feast called the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And what it is, is this is a memorial. Notice they keep saying it's an everlasting ordinance, which means this is something that is meant to be remembered generation after generation without end. Right? And what it is, is the Passover is the first day, and then it ends up becoming a seven-day festival with holy convocations on either end. And on those days, no work is to be done. And the key is that they're not allowed to eat bread with leaven. Now, the reason unleavened bread was used was because they were going to need to leave Egypt quickly. They didn't have time to let the bread rise. So if you've ever baked bread, you know that you put the yeast in, you form it into whatever shape you want, you let it sit, and then it gets big. So unleavened, because they had to leave quickly. But what is leaven or yeast a type of we talked about this last week it's a type of sin why because it corrupts by puffing up it's what it does that's exactly how leaven works and i talked about this last week so the key is is that in this feast of passover and unleavened bread you're not allowed to eat anything with leaven in it for the whole week so they eat matzah all week and we talked about how matzah is the perfect picture of Jesus. If you missed it last week, I want you to check it out. But notice, this is now a celebration week. And I'll be honest with you, I really like that about the Lord. The Lord likes it when we celebrate. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some aspects to the way every culture celebrates that could promote sinfulness. But because there's the possibility of sinfulness doesn't mean we should just be grumpy in the name of God. Okay, last time I checked, the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is what? Joy. So brothers and sisters, have a good time, please. Don't be grumpy. Now listen, I know some of us are smiley. Some of us are not the same kind of outward smiling. I'm not saying, I don't want you to be kind of uh, silly or just uh, put on a facade. But I believe God wants us to enjoy life. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and they may have it what? more abundantly and God actually puts in everlasting ordinances for celebrations so feel free to laugh a little have fun I think we should celebrate more in the name of God find every reason to celebrate I mean it says in the Bible that when one sinner comes to repentance what all the angels do what they rejoice I mean, you got to figure Sunday in heaven is an awesome time. All over the world, people are giving their lives to Christ. So don't be afraid. God puts this in his words so that we understand. God wants us to be celebratory. That doesn't mean you have to be sinful or anything. But don't be afraid to make much of what God is doing. I mean, God said, look, I want all week, and I want you to put a holy convocation. No one's allowed to work. 
Now why? Why is nobody allowed to work? Because nobody's saved by works. It's being modeled for the children of Israel that, listen, you can't work your way in. It's being done for you. Jesus is our rest. And on those celebration days, no works to be done. Just have a good time. And it's interesting, they, they go back over it again. They say, look, it's a week. And then they go, it starts on the 14th day until the 21st day. Now, there is an application for us. And I believe that the application is, notice it begins with, you need to get all the leaven out of your house. And if leaven is a type of sin, I think it's a good application to say, we need to go through our house and we need to figure out what's leaven in my life. Let's level with each other. We all have some. There's not one person, save Jesus Christ himself, who doesn't have something they're working through, something that's going on. Now, the key is, are you working through it, or have you just let it take up space in your pantry, and it's just part of what's going on in your life? The first word of the gospel is the word repent, which literally means to change, to change. And so we need to do personal inventories. We need to say, look, this is where I'm at. This is what I got. And we need to find brothers and sisters around us who we can share that with. The Bible calls that confessing to one another. Because know what happens when you actually vocalize to somebody else what your struggle is? Now all of a sudden you got someone who's praying for you. Now all of a sudden you have somebody who's going to check in on you. How you doing with that? And when you know someone's praying for you and you know someone's going to check in on you, what starts to happen? You start to change, maybe just only because we're vain enough not want to not want to have to tell them that we're doing terrible. I mean, it's true, right? There's nothing worse than being like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing horrible with that. Because then they start encouraging you, right? And that's the worst. Because you're like, oh, I'm doing terrible. Like, man, God wants to do a great work in your life. And God wants to purify you, and you want it too. And I know it's hard. Man, believe me, I know it's hard, but I think God can do it. Let me pray for you. And you're just like, this is true for my own. I'll, I'll tell you a personal story, and don't hold it against me. I mean, you guys all know that God's working on me. But I remember, and I probably, I may have told you this before, but when, when I first started going to church, I mean, I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian family at all, and I was way out there. I mean, you guys can imagine. You're like, you're still way out there. But I mean, I was, I was way out there. You know, like, I, I was like, I had my own little orbit that I was in, you know. And I remember going to church and, and, I, and, I, and God was doing a work in my life. But I had been doing drugs every day since I was a teenager. Every day. You know, all the way through high school, got good grades, made it to college, got some scholarship, did great in college. But I was hammered perpetually. And I remember I started going to church and God was working on me. And I was convicted. I remember going up to the pastor one day. The guy, pastor's name was Andy. And I said, Pastor Andy, can I be honest with you? Because I mean, it was just another worship service and God was working on me. And God's like, what are you doing? And I'm just like, ah. And so I'm like, I'm just going to tell the pastor. I said, Pastor Andy, I can't talk to you. He's like, sure, Daniel, what's up? And I said, I love the Lord. He's like, I know you do. God's doing a great work in your life. And I said, he is. I'm like, but you know, for as long as I can remember, you know, I'm going to go home and smoke this joint. I got it rolled in my car. But I know God doesn't want me to do it. You know, and I kind of cringed because I hadn't been around church long enough to realize that people can be pretty mean when you confess your stuff to them. <laughs> I just laid it out there, you know, like, here, here's me. You know, and he's just like, and I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I figured he, I might get excommunicated. I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know what they're going to do. And, and I'll never forget, the pastor just, he grabbed me, put his arm around me, said, Daniel, this is what I want you to do. I want you to read Romans 6, 7, and 8. And I want you to ask God to change your heart. And he said, do you mind if I pray for you? And do you mind if I ask you how you're doing? Like, that was it. Just read Romans 6, 7, 8 and pray that God will change your heart. And he's like, can I, can I pray for you? And I'm just like, sure, you know. So he prayed for me. And so what did I do? I read Romans 6, 7, 8, and I prayed that God would change my heart. Honestly, that Bible, if it would have fallen on the floor, it would have opened up to Romans 6. And it was amazing because every couple weeks, Pastor Andy would grab me and be like, Daniel, how you doing? What's going on with that? I've been praying for you. You know? And I'll tell you, I, I haven't done drugs in about f- almost 15 years now. And it, praise the Lord. And it wasn't some miraculous healing either. I would love to be like, yeah, I got saved. And it was just like every, everything that tempted me went gone. It was gone. No, no. Some of you have that testimony and I'm just jealous. And with a holy jealousy, you know. But God was working on me and I confessed it to them. And, and then, I mean, I was struggling so much. I'll be honest with you. I had friends who, who, you know, would sell drugs. You know, that was how they made their living. And I remember calling up one of these guys, a good friend. I said, look, are we friends? Yeah. Do you care about me? Yeah. Well, if I call you asking for drugs, I want you to hang up on me. And he started laughing. He's like, you're one of my best customers, man. You know? <laughs> and I remember saying, I'm like, but listen, if you really care about me, you hang up on me. And sure enough, I call him, you hang up on me. And there's nothing more convicting than when your friends or your drug dealers or your best customer start hanging up on you. But I say all that because, brothers and sisters, listen, if you got yeast in your house, you got sin in your life, find someone to talk to. Just share it. You know what? Because God sees, you know. And so if someone else, and now all of a sudden you have that person, you have people who are lifting up the long-range guns of prayer, praying for you, softening your heart, just, you know, and, and there's people looking out for you. But secret sin, that sin that you think is secret, it's really not, it will come out. But that secret sin, that's where Satan has fun because nobody knows. You got no one praying for you because nobody knows. So I love that application of, man, go search out, get all the leaven out of your house. I want, if you have a journal right now, I want you to write down, if you guys say, these are the things that are, this is my leaven. And we all got stuff. You know, so yeah, I don't do drugs anymore, but I got all sorts of other heart issues that God's doing heart surgery on in my life. Write those things down. Just say, God, I want you to take that away. I want you to take that away. God, I want you to take that away. And maybe you might want to write down next one. This is somebody I think I can talk to about that. And if you're here and you're like, I don't have anyone to talk to, I want you to grab one of our pastors in the family room. Almost our whole staff is here on a Wednesday night. Call our office. Make an appointment. Sit down with one of the pastors here at Crossroads. We're happy to talk with you about what's going on in your life. And what I will tell you is that no one's going to judge you because we're all traveling that path together. And God is doing a transformative work in all of our lives. Every single one of us. Some of us, we've grown up in church and we don't do all those really, really bad things that you can do a bragamony, but you got like a judgmental heart because you've never done anything really wrong. So we all got stuff. But the key is, is like the children of Israel, we need to get it out of the house. And one of the best ways to get out of the house is to drag it into the light. And it's not pretty. Actually, it's pretty terrifying when you do drag it into the light. But you know what? Victory comes when it gets into the light. 
That's where it happens. But if you keep it tucked away in a little recess in your heart, a little corner that almost nobody knows about, oftentimes it will just stay there. And what good is it to have something that's destroying you be a part of your life long term? What good is it? It's just destroying you. And you know that it is. So like the children of Israel, we, we need to get the leaven out of our house. We need to say, God, you need to do a work in me. I want you to change my heart, change my life. Now let's keep going. Verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to the families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintels, the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and for your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come into the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. In the hall of faith, in Hebrews chapter 11, speaking of Moses, it says, By faith, Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Now, notice, Moses takes this and now he gives it to the elders and then the elders are going to pass it down. And we talked about all this, the idea of the hyssop being used to put the blood on the top and the two sides, and it's going to pass over. All of, so we've already seen that last week. I made the point that the top and then the two sides, it makes the shape of a cross. Notice, this is something that's supposed to be recurring. It's something that you're supposed to do all the time. Why? So that when your children ask, why are you doing this? Then you can tell them of God's faithfulness. I think it's important for families that families have traditions. You find ways to commemorate the things that God has done. It's one of the best ways to teach people. Education, theory will tell you that what's the greatest teacher? Repetition. And as you do it year in and year out, over time, it's going to be a teaching moment. So find those things in your own life. Find those areas where we are commemorating the things that God has done to pass it down. Me and Obadiah, we talk about things and me and Meredith all the time. Like my kids, one of the things they're going to grow up knowing is that every morning, mom makes breakfast and Abba sits down and eats it and reads the Bible to him. That's what we do in my house. Every morning. And then we have our scripture memory contest. And we go around and it's rough because Obadiah is doing really good these days. It's something that we do as a family because I want to keep instilling into their hearts. You know, and we need to do that as families. Now, you might say, listen, my kids are all grown up and I miss the boat. Find things to start doing now. You can't go back and redo yesterday, but you can start doing today. 
Maybe what you do is every Sunday morning, maybe you have kids in college, every Sunday morning when you come to church, you take one verse and one little application, you just email it to your child. I learned this in church today. I want to share it with you. I mean, they're not going to tell you to stop emailing them. Trust me. Even if they don't want to hear it, they're still going to read it because you're their parents. Maybe you're a grandparent. Oh, man, grand, the ministry of a grandparent. I hope you realize how precious that is. I was cracking up. The ministry of a great-grandparent. I was talking to my grandma today. So my grandma's almost 90. I mean, obviously, she's a great-grandparent, so she just thinks, you know, Obadiah and Maranatha are just through the roof, you know. They're, you know, they're little angels. And so it was funny. I was telling my grandma's story about something that I had heard today about Obadiah was getting picked on at school. Not really picked on. They were just being boys, you know. And my grandma was like, you better tell that little kid that he better not mess with Obadiah or else his Gigi will come. And I'm like, Grandma, he's in first grade. He's taller than you, Grandma. (laughs) I was just, but it's like, you know, and my grandma's funny. She's like, I was praying for Obadiah today. Oh, see, so much of the religion that God gave to the children of Israel was about passing it along, passing it along. And we need to find ways to pass it along. Find those ways to commemorate it. Find those ways to say, hey, this is this thing. And this reminds me of this thing that God does. And so it's beautiful because Moses tells the elders, this is the deal. We've gone over this already. So, And then they go and do it. I love that verse. That verse makes me excited because it shows obedience. Look at verse 28. Then the children of Israel went away and did so just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. This is simple obedience. Very simple. This is what God's word says. We're going to just do it that way. And I want to encourage you to be naive enough to just take God at his word. We don't need any fancy interpretations, some scriptural gymnastics to try and get out of it. Just do what it says. Just be be willing to say, well, it says this, I'm just going to do that. It says live this way, so I'm going to live that way. It says love my enemies, so I'm going to stop trying to tell God why I shouldn't love them. I'm just going to love them. doesn't mean I'm going to let them walk all over me, but I'm going to love them still. It says if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven, so I'm going to forgive them. We need to just be simply obedient. Simply obedient. God knows better than we do. God understands us better than we understand ourselves. If we would simply just take God's word and say, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this. I'm not going to argue. I'm just going to say, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll try it your way in my life. And I'm learning this to this day. That when I realize that God gets it better than I do, and I just say, well, listen, God, my way is really not working. I mean, let's be honest. And the Lord's like, you think? You know, that's how God talks to me. Like, you think it's not working? It's like, if our way isn't working, then let's try God's way and see how it rolls. And what I've learned is that when, we, when we're willing to give over to the Lord the things that He's asking us to, He gives us the grace to live it out. Jesus is Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here, and I'm excited and humbled that you're listening to Jesus is Real Radio. When I was first approached about starting a radio ministry, it was kind of a humbling and terrifying experience. But people keep telling me, they say, 
Pastor Daniel, Jesus is Real is a special program. There's something so personal about it. There's something so street level about it. You're not afraid to explore both how messy life is and who Jesus really is and what he's up to in the world today. And as we started the program, we're seeing Jesus is Real Radio expand at a very rapid pace. There's not a week that doesn't go by that we're not approached by different radio programs and television programs saying, we want to put Jesus is Real on. But listen, we need your help in order to do that. We believe that God wants us to bring Jesus is Real global. We want everyone in the entire earth to hear the message that Jesus is Real. Now listen, in order for us to do that, we would need your help. Jesus is Real Radio is an outreach ministry of Crossroads Community Church, the wonderful church that I get the privilege of being a pastor at in Vancouver, Washington. And the body of Crossroads sees the radio ministry as an extension of our mission's effort. So join us in reaching the world with this message. Here's Josh with some information about how you can get further involved. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Yes, we encourage you to pray about getting involved with the ministry here at Jesus is Real Radio with a one-time gift or perhaps even monthly support. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option to begin supporting Jesus is Real Radio. And please join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.